last week we started this message, and it's, a, it's moving through the Sermon on the Mount and lessons that Jesus gave to us after he talked about the Beatitudes, and he makes it a, a very important statement in Matthew 5, something that we've kind of, we're, we're using as a springboard to get into this message that we're going to finish today. And he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And many have misinterpreted that, and many in many different religions and church and denominations have misinterpreted that to say that we have to be good enough. We have to be better than the way the scribes and Pharisees lived so that we can earn our way into heaven. And that's not what Jesus was talking about at all. What Jesus was saying, and this is incredibly important for those of you who don't know Jesus, for those of you who who maybe grew up in a system of religion that focuses on how good you can be, focuses on your works and focuses on how much you can earn in God's favor and think that when you get to heaven, the, the scales are going to balance one way or the other. And if they don't balance your way, then you're going to go to hell. What Jesus is saying here is it's impossible for you to be good enough to get into heaven. There's no way. The scribes and the Pharisees, understand their righteousness, they kept adding to it. Every time they saw something that could be a problem, they added a new rule. They added something to it over and over and over again, trying to be as righteous and religious as possible. But it's impossible. It's impossible for a human being to reach the standard that God has set for us as human beings to enter heaven. What we need to do is accept the fact that we're sinners, realize that we can't earn our way to heaven and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we must accept him. It's not just the fact that Jesus died on the cross. We must accept that as a payment, as a sacrifice for our sins and receive the gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ. Once we've done that, we now are called to live. We're called to live in a way that mirrors and reflects the grace of God to a world that needs to hear about him. And let's be honest, right now, the world needs a lot of grace. The world needs a lot of love. If there are two qualities I would say that every Christian needs to work on from this very moment on for the rest of our days on earth, it is grace and love. We fight, and we're going to talk about some of this in the message. We fight with those outside of faith over things that you'll never win the battle over. You're never going to win these battles because they are people outside of faith. Understand, you cannot claim the truth of the word of God that the word of God is spiritually discerned and you must have the Holy Spirit in your life, which comes after you accept Jesus Christ as your savior to understand the scriptures. Understand those outside of faith are only living the way that those outside of faith live. So to continue to fight and scream and, and plant your flag on battles that are never, ever going to be won outside of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ is foolishness. And it's a waste of time. The battles we should be fighting 
over these issues are battles within ourselves, battles within our families, and battles within our church. Because the biggest problem the world has right now is a fractured church. The biggest issue facing the world today, the biggest reason the world today is going, uh, is rapidly falling away from God and many are on their way to hell is because the church is fractured. We can't even get on the same page within our own belief system. And that's a problem. So what we're trying to do here at New Life this year is get back to our roots. Get back to the the truth of the teachings of Jesus Christ for us as believers. Now, the text for this message is Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 20. If you'd stand with me as we read, we're going to read verses 20 through 40. It begins, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to justice. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way. Uh, with him to court or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard it said that to, uh, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, you don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the, on the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn uh, the other to him also. We'll, be, we'll stop there. You may be seated. Now, understand something. What did Jesus say? He said, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to what? Fulfill the law. I've come to fulfill the law. What Jesus is quoting here is the law. He is, he is giving to these people and saying to his followers, this is what the law said. This is the righteousness of the Pharisees, the Ten Commandments. I'm telling you to go farther. Because see, what, he, what, what the Ten Commandments were, were about our way of living. The way we kept ourselves 
close to God, the way we lived in relationship to God. But Jesus said, now what I want you to do is keep doing those things, but now do them for a greater purpose and go the extra mile and put yourself in second place because it's not about you. Once you've accepted me as your savior, now I have a mission for you. And that mission is to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not reach the world with your morality. See, that's a huge mistake we make as Christians. Uh, Pastor John, what are you saying? We, have to, we don't have to live moral? I, I didn't say that. I didn't, and, and for those of you, I'm just going to make this comment, okay? Don't get upset. Don't get angry. For those of you who tr are trolling us on Facebook right now, looking for something for me to say, and you're out there, I know you are, please pay attention very closely to what I say today. And make sure that when you post things about this church and me on Facebook, or on Instagram, that you tell the truth, because we will stand up and we will make sure that the truth is told when you misrepresent what we have to say, okay? And that goes for everybody in here. Make sure that you are listening to what I have to say, because it's vitally important. I'm not saying we're not called to live morally. What I'm saying is our morality is not what it's all about. It's how we approach and live towards others in this world. Yes, in a moral way, but you can live morally and still hate others. We see that, don't we? We see that in the church. We, we see Christians who are living morally, who are walking around living morally and carrying signs saying God hates certain individuals. I, I have a... I get emails man, it's on like a daily basis from this one group. And for those of you who are not Republicans politically, I just tell you what this group thinks. They think you're going to hell. They think you cannot be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, unless you're a Republican. Okay? That's ridiculous. That's just absolutely insane to say something like that. That's just downright stupid, right? Now, we're not going to get into all politics and things like that and because that's just a black hole that we can fall into. So what we're going to do this morning is talk about the Word of God because that's where we should be as Christians. Our arguments should not be political. Our arguments, our standard, our hill that we plant our flag on should be the word of God and what it has to say. So we started last week and I made this statement at the beginning, the way you choose to follow Jesus matters. The way you represent Jesus to other matter, others matters. Reconciliation matters. That is the crux of this message. The way you live the way you choose to follow Jesus matters. You can choose to follow Jesus in a social justice way. And listen, I'm not speaking against social justice. I believe that everyone, I, I believe the truth of our founding documents that all men are created equal. I would change that to all humanity is created equal because at that time, women weren't uh, considered the same as men. 
So I think we need to make that change. And I don't think that is a corrupt hypocrisy. I think that's absolutely true. All humanity is created equal. But we also have to remember that in those days, those with skin that wasn't white were not considered human. It's very easy to make your moral argument when you don't consider other people human, right? Very easy to make that argument. But when you're faced with facts, and those of you who want to argue science today for this, that, and the other thing, foolishness, okay, please make sure that you are really arguing true science, okay? What you think and how you feel is not science, I, I feel like an old man today. Um, that's not necessarily true. Hopefully by Wednesday evening, I'll feel a whole lot younger. Okay? I'll, I'll feel a whole lot better. I hopefully will be walking around the West Roxbury VA ward, whatever ward I'm on, going, going, out of, going to town, getting, getting back to health. So how you feel, that's entirely up to you. But don't put that in the category of science, okay? Science, if science is going to be science, if it's going to be truth, if you're going to tell me that I have to accept science as science, as truth, then make sure it's truth, okay? And Christians, once again, let's not go down the black hole of arguing about science because that's not what matters. The way you choose to follow Jesus matters. The way you represent Jesus to others matters. We started, uh, the first thing I, the first point I made from this passage was this. Our righteous living matters to God. Our righteous living matters to God. Your life is not random. Your life is not unimportant. For those of you who think that you don't matter, that you're just, a, a, just an extra in the film of life, You're just so wrong. You are the main character in your own story. Your life matters to God. So the way that you live, your righteous living matters to God. It doesn't matter if you feel invisible. It doesn't matter if you feel like, uh, for those of you who are stay-at-home moms, it doesn't matter if you feel like you don't know how to hold an adult conversation right now. Because all you do is talk to uh, toddlers, infants, whatever or yourself. (laughs) Your life matters to God. The way you represent Jesus matters to God. Your righteous living matters to God. By the way, moms, stay-at-home moms, parents, the, the most important righteous living, the most important place you should be living righteously is in your own home. Because you're raising the next, hopefully you're raising the next generation of Jesus followers. And they need to see Jesus in you. The second thing we said was true righteous actions start in the heart. Quoted Martin Luther King when he said, everybody can can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need to have a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Grace and love, grace and love, grace and love. And it takes a lot of grace right now to be a Christian in this world. Truly does. Well, it's just not fair. 
They're just, they're telling lies about us. Can I just give you a piece of advice? You're never going to get everybody to tell the truth about you. You're never going to get everybody to tell the truth about the Bible. You're never going to get anybody to tell the truth about anything. Know the truth in your heart and let that be enough. Let that be enough. Why? Because Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It has to be enough for you to know the truth. But, but they're causing so much damage to society. Listen, this society is doomed. You understand that? This society isn't going to get any better. This world isn't going to get any better. It's doomed to destruction, according to the word of God. That's just the way it is. What we need to do is live for Jesus and rescue as many of the perishing as we possibly can. Remember that old song we used to sing, old hymn, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Grace and love. That's what we should be showing to this world. The third point I made was this. Strong relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ matter to God. Strong relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ matter to God. Unity inside this building, unity inside this body of believers matters to God. Getting along with each other matters to God. Some of you have used to have friends that go, that, that go to different churches, and you have the audacity to be, to, to be led by God to another church. Maybe, just maybe, uh, you had friends that, that uh, walked away and friends that um, no longer uh, want to be in church. Listen, if they're followers of Jesus, if they have Jesus in their heart, it's your responsibility to do your best to have unity with those people. Now, sometimes unity is a hard conversation. Sometimes unity is taking a stand. But unity, nonetheless, is unity, doing your dead-level best to get along with everybody. Why? Because your relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ matter to God. And I made this statement, if we can't love each other and accept each other within these walls, we can never help uh, hope to develop the love needed to make a sacrifice of our lives so that others will see Jesus. We have to learn to love each other in our church because it is the foundation of a successful ministry. That brings us to point number four. And I left you with this last week. I, I mentioned it to you. And here's where we may have some... Uh, hard truth to swallow. Well, one of the spots. Marriage matters. Marriage matters. I have one couple that just celebrated 34, is it 34, Deb? 34 years, Brian and Deb, yesterday? Congratulations, 34 years together. Mar Deb, I, I've got a purple heart for you. I've got something. You know what? My gosh. Holy cow. I've known Brian for, I don't know, over 25 years. And I'm telling you, Jesus is waiting to finish your mansion in heaven because he's letting you pick it out personally, Deb. Okay? Going to let you furnish it. I'm telling you, it's the word of God. All right? Marriage matters. It really is a big deal with God. Marriage matters. It really is a big deal with God. It is not frivolous. It is not disposable. 
and is not trite. Marriage matters to God. Whitney Clayton said, marriage is a gift from, uh, from God to us. The quality of our marriage is a gift from us to God. Marriage is a gift from God to us. The quality of our marriage is a gift from us to God. Now, listen. This is, I, I might drop a bomb here, but marriage and who should be allowed to marry each other is very controversial in this country right now, isn't it? It's very, con a, a, those of you who have family members of, uh, of those lifestyles, don't get nervous right now because I'm not going to go off, okay? Um, in the church, we are taking a huge stand. And I, th and I think, hear me out here before you fire me from my job here. Hear me out. I think we're making a huge mistake as Christians fighting over the battle of who can marry whom in this country because it doesn't matter. Okay? Hear me out. Nobody's going to die and go to hell for who they marry. People are going to die and go to hell because they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Put them, but morality, morality. Okay, Christian, we have as high a divorce rate as the rest of society. Remember what Jesus said in his teaching, before you take the speck out of your, other eye, your brother's eye, take the plank out of yours. Why don't you fix your own marriage before you tell somebody else who they can and can't marry? Christian, I'd be a whole lot happier if I never, ever had to counsel a marriage situation again, because everybody is trying to live marriage and do marriage as Christians for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And every couple is implementing and putting together the principles of the word into their married life. So before you go off and all, let me tell you, I, I just, I'm just going to say it because I've been dancing around it. Before you go off half-cocked, obliterating people who believe in gay marriage. Now, if you're a Christian, I would challenge you with this. Check out what the Bible has to say. Before you make a stand, check out what the Bible has to say. Okay? You want to have that conversation? We can do that. We can have that conversation. And I will show you what the Bible has to say for Christians about marriage. All right? But before... Before we allow gay marriage to divert us from what truly is important in this world, let's remember what truly is important in this world. And before we start saying we have to defend marriage, why don't you defend your own? Defend your own. Because that's all you're called to do. You're not called to defend God. Remember what Jesus said to Peter when Peter cut off Malchus's ear in the garden? He said, Peter, put away your sword. If I, wanted to, if I wanted to end this battle right now, Peter, I'll call the angels down and we'll obliterate the earth right now. 
If he could create the earth by the word, by his, by the word of his mouth, don't you think he could destroy it the same way? So let's be concerned about what truly matters. Because the same people, uh-oh, here we see, here's where we're going to get in trouble, Pastor John, so you might want to be careful. Nope, <laughs> I'm having surgery on Wednesday, so I don't really care, all right? Before you go off half-cocked about marriage, why don't you, and, and defending the morality of marriage, why don't you check how much alcohol you consume and how much of your of, of yourself you lose when you get a little bit too inebriated. Okay. Why don't you check out? Oh, I heard some deflation of lungs there. Why don't you check out the other things you do in your life, Christian? I'm not defending gay marriage. Don't get me wrong, because if you want to know my, my stand on it, we can talk about it, but that's for me and for Christians. I don't answer for the world. Okay, I don't answer for lost people. I answer for the way I represent Jesus Christ. And all these things are, are diversionary tactics to get us away and to divide us from people. Listen, Aaron and I have actually honestly talked, and our kids are going to hear this, so they're going to freak out. We've honestly had a conversation about homeschooling. You know Why? Because our kids are about to step in, three of our kids are about to step into a snake pit. Seriously. And I'm me. And I'm going to defend my children. And I'm going to defend the way, I'm going to defend my children's right to have a proper education without having garbage shoved down their throat. Listen, if you're a teacher watching us, if you're an educator watching us, teach my children how to read, write, add, subtract, multiply, and divide. That's all. They don't need your morality. They don't need your ethics because, quite honestly, you don't, a lot of you don't understand what that truly is. I will take care of that. My wife and I will take care of that with our children. And parents, that's the way you should be. And you should stand. You should be a bug in the ear of your local school board and your local school department. They should know you on a first-name basis. I had a meeting a week and a half ago. I was sitting in the school superintendent's office. And, and I am, I'm bringing in the big guns next month. Yeah, yeah. We are, new life is making a difference. In, the, in, in this school system. Those are the things that matter. Don't be distracted. Don't allow yourself to be, but we have to defend the... No, we don't. No, no, we don't. You have to take a stand for yourself. You have to live your morality. But you're not responsible for what everybody else chooses. You're responsible to tell them about Jesus Christ. And I know some of you expected me to go a totally different direction with that, right? Sorry, not going to happen. Because I need to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is that I make sure that my marriage is strong, make sure that my family is strong, and the ethics and morality of my home line up with the Word of God, and that I reflect that to the community. But I'm not responsible for what they choose. 
I'm not responsible for the path they follow. And I am not responsible to get into a fight and to tear down what could have been built up before it ever got started simply because I wanted to make a point. Does that make sense? Marriage matters to God. But understand this, it's your marriage that matters to God. Christian, it's your marriage that matters to God. Those who are outside of faith, those who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, you know what matters to God for them? Their eternal soul. Because they can choose to live life as an ostrich if that's what they want. But if they never accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to die and go to hell. That's truth. That's hard, harsh truth. What matters to God is that we, as believers, make sure our marriages honor Jesus Christ. Make sure that our marriages last and stand the test of time. Some of us, are get, some of us we got a do-over, right? We got a do-over on marriage. Listen, I'm making, I'm making my marriage with Aaron the best I possibly can make it. I'm looking, to, I'm looking to live until I'm 100. And if my dad is any, indica- any indication, I got a shot at it, right? And if I live to be 100, Aaron and I are going to celebrate a golden wedding anniversary, at least 50 years, right? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, our goal, our, our goal now today, Melvin, maybe you can help us out. You, you like to, you like children. Maybe you can babysit all five of ours for a week. Uh, our goal is to take a vacation sans children. I'll use your term, sans children. Drew and Aylin, you can have five for the week to add it to your six. Yes, yes, yes. Marriage matters to God, but it's your marriage that matters to God. It's the marriages in this church that matter to God. It's the marriages that we meet with and we fellowship with that matter to God. And listen, please, please take me up on it. If you really want to know what I feel about the issue, then talk to me. Don't don't think that Don't think that Pastor John has gone liberal here because I haven't, all right? What I'm trying to get us to understand is that we need to be focused on this fact. Our marriages matter to God. It is, that is what we're, and before we go out and take a political stand and make that political stand a religious view, you better truly understand what the Bible says about it. Because no matter what anybody says, and listen, if you have any any questions about theology and theologically arguing a point with people who make ridiculous statements about the Bible and applying the Bible like Joseph, his, his, uh, his coat of many colors could be translated princess dress, that is the dumbest statement I've ever heard, okay? No, it can't. It's, it can't be, okay? It can't be. So it, they don't say, so, so Joseph was not a transgender man, all right? That's dumb. 
And that's somebody who's trying to twist scripture to make it sound, to make it say what they want it to say so they can take the stand they want to stand. That's stupid. Okay? That's, and that's my theological statement on the matter. It's stupid. All right? Make sure that your theology lines up with your political stand if that's the way you want to be. My advice is that you not try to make political stands theological stands. Okay? Let your faith follow, let, let, your, let your, all things in your life follow your faith. And that way, you will be okay. And when you, when you stand before God, you'll be okay to answer to him. Proverbs 31.10 says, who can find a wife of noble character? Listen to this, gentlemen. She is far more precious than jewels. A wife of noble character. She is far more precious than jewels. You know why I think God didn't say who can find a man, a husband of noble character? He is far, because men are knuckleheads. Right? Ladies, you can say amen, ladies. That's okay, you're covered by the grace of God in here, all right? Because men are knuckleheads. That's exactly it. And it takes more noble character for a woman to stick with a man than it does for a man. Listen, I'm telling you from, year, from, from the, the, the almost 40 years of experience, and there are exceptions, don't get me wrong, there are exceptions to this. But for the most part, gentlemen, you need to be thanked before I get myself in any more trouble. Gentlemen, you need to be thankful if you have a, woman, a wife of noble character. Why? Because she is far more precious than jewels. By the way, the Bible also says that it's better to dwell on a rooftop than in a house with an angry woman. Right? So, 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 so maybe don't ditch the tent. Kind of hang on to that. Gentlemen, respect and appreciate your wife and treat her like a gift from God. Some, sometimes that gift is that, no, don't say it, okay. No, 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 no. All right, Matthew 10, four through six. Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one, one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let me say this. Sometimes the best thing, here we go again, don't think I'm endorsing divorce, but sometimes the best thing is for a marriage to be separated. Because if two can't walk together and agree and it becomes a major issue and one member likes somebody else more than they like their, the one they promised to be with forever, it's probably better for you to be on your own. But in the, the true sense of marriage, it's about trying to stay together and work together and be together and move in the same direction. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a great reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. And let me tell you, those of you who are single in, the, in this church, those of you who are spiritually single or single, let me say this. 
You do not have to live life alone. You don't have to walk this path alone. That's what this church is for. And while you're in a holding pattern, whether God has some for, for those of you who are, are products of you're, you're a, you're, you're, your marriage ended in divorce or you've never been married or whatever the situation may be, and you're in that pattern where you're letting God lead you and maybe God has another marriage for you in the future. Who knows? Let this church be your companion that will hold your hand and lift you up when you fall. Because clearly Solomon says here, pity the one who doesn't have someone to lift them up. That's what the church is for. The church is to lift up those who struggle. Single people, listen, that's not a death sentence, and you should not be living life all by yourself. You should be able to connect with people here in church. And married people, Take care of your marriage, but also don't be so myopic that all you see is your marriage. Reach out to your friends in church. Reach out to your brothers and sisters in church who are single. For those of you who were single for a time as adults, remember what it was like. And realize that sometimes we need people to come alongside us and lift us up. Marriage matters. It really is a big deal. With God. The next thing, the next life, and we're going to go quickly through these because I spent a lot of time on that last one. The next life lesson is this tell the truth. Life's next life skill tell the truth. Tell the truth. Oh my goodness, tell the truth. Folks, let me go back to the last point. That may not be popular with a certain group of Christians. But let me tell you, I believe with all my heart that what I just said was the truth. And I will tell the truth. We had a meeting with DCF a couple weeks ago and they brought, oh, they, they were not happy with us. They, they weren't happy because I wrote a letter to just about everybody except God because of the way that things were going and it caused quite a stir. I'm telling you, man, I wrote my senator, I wrote my congressman, I wrote the ombudsman's office, I wrote just about everybody. I was going to send it to the governor, but I didn't have his email. You know what? We got the job done. Got the job done. And they came at us full for because they're a vindictive, vindictive state agency. And that's how I feel. And they tried to, they, you put pictures on Facebook. I'm sorry. Do you know what happened to them before they came to our house? Putting pictures on Facebook is like the least of our worries. So we took the pictures off Facebook. But I had one of them look at me and say, you're a contracted employee of the state. I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not true. She said, well, that's not what I said. I said, you're, you're I said, no, 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 no. What you're saying now is that I'm lying, that I, that you didn't say what I said you said. So listen, ma'am. And I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being full of ego here. I'm just telling you the truth about me. The only thing I have to offer my church is my integrity. The only thing I have to offer my community is my integrity. I don't manufacture anything. I don't work for anybody. 
I don't do anything like that. The only thing I have to offer is my integrity. So I guard it as closely as I possibly can. And by you sitting here and lying about me, you're attacking my integrity. And I will not allow that to happen. They didn't like that. I don't care. Because I am going to be a person that tells the truth. I'm not going to candy around it. I'm not going to dance around it. I'm going to tell the truth. If you ever come to me for counsel about something, <laughs> listen, I may try to be kind in my words, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what the word of God says. Because that's what matters. Christians, we need to tell the truth. The truth needs to matter to you because it matters to God. Jesus told us, tell the truth. George MacDonald said, to be trusted is, is a greater compliment than being loved. To be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. To be trusted is, I'll add to it, to be trusted is a greater compliment than being accepted. To be trusted is a greater compliment than being welcome. To, being, to be trusted is a greater compliment than being validated. Being trusted means you can be trusted with the truth. May not always be popular, may not be what people need to hear or want to hear, but it is what they need to hear. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. 1 John 3, 18, little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Love and truth. Can I tell you something, Christian? Let me get to the heart of the matter here. You're doing no one any favors if you do not take every opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ and his saving grace. Because you're not telling them the truth. It's become popular in many evangelical churches today to say there's a different way, to, that there are many roads that lead to heaven. That's not the truth. Not according to the word of God. It's become very popular to say that uh, different things are now okay because of societal changes. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. Stop worrying about being accepted. Stop worrying about being popular because that's all some preachers care about. Quite honestly, the reason they care about it is because they don't want the money to, start, to stop flowing in. Listen, I could probably fill this auditorium three services a day on Sundays if I wanted to, if I changed what I preached, if I changed the stands I make. Hey, let me, let me just talk real for a minute. We may not have financial problems in the church. I may be able to finally collect the full salary if I change what I preach. You know what? I'd rather tell the truth. I'd rather tell the truth. I'd rather work two, three, four, five jobs if I have to to support my family. Supporting my family is my responsibility, not yours. So get your nose out of my business. Well, oh, that came out quickly, didn't it? I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to live the truth, whether anybody likes it or not. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Tell the truth. Jesus tells us that. Tell the truth. We're to teach, preach, and represent the truth of the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to, represent yourself, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Correctly teaching the word of truth. 
correctly teaching the word of truth. That means you don't change it because society changes it. Because society that says a child can be a llama if they want to be, we don't say that the Bible says you can be a llama if you want to be. I, I'll, I won't speak so vaguely. We don't change the word of God because society says a little boy can be a little girl. We teach the truth. Let me ask you a question. Why is it so important? Why, why can't a little boy have more feminine qualities? Why can't little boys not like sports? One of the biggest questions I had to answer to myself was, what if my sons, what, what if my sons don't like sports? What am I going to have to talk about them with? Uh, what am I going to have to talk with them about? Well, I better learn if I'm going to be a dad. But just because they don't like the things that other boys like or the things that girls, little girls like to play sports and be athletic. <laughs> I have a daughter that loves to go out in school, try to school the boys on a basketball court. Right? Doesn't mean she's a boy. Wow. It means she's a girl that likes to play basketball. Why do you have to change things just to make it fit your, and I know some of you are uncomfortable with this. I apologize, but truth is truth. Do not change the word of God just because it makes others in society comfortable. Jesus didn't come to make people comfortable. He came to tell people a better way and the only way to get to heaven. Tell the truth. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. Brian, I'm sorry. I know I just skipped a bunch of slides there. Most importantly, folks, we know the source of truth. Psalm 25, 5 says, guide me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Now, I've just, I've just brought a couple harsh, real strong points. Let me just continue here with responsibility being on the believer. Point number six, I think what Jesus is saying here is this. Be the bigger person. Be the bigger person. You see, we are caught up in this. We have to be right. We have to win. We have to let people know where we stand. We have to, uh, society, America has to get back to God. That was a dramatic pause. America has to get back to God. Let me tell you, I can make a great argument that says any document that was written that discounted 35% of my brothers and sisters in Christ here was not necessarily motivated by God. I got five children. You understand, I've got five children in my house that when this country was founded, and even 100 years into it, remember the three-fifths compromise? How many remember to learn about the three-fifths compromise? When you were in school, remember that? Three-fifths compromise? Come on now. Your civics days where black people were only considered three-fifths of a person? Well, Melvin, at least that was progress, right? Come on. Come on. And you want me to get back to that? Have you lost your righteous mind? Let's take a poll. Well, well let's not. But how many people of color want to get back to that? in this church. I don't think so. 
So don't give me this ridiculous argument that America needs to get back to God. You know what needs to happen? Christian, we might, I mean, we might as well just keep going down this road. Christians, you need to get back to God. You need to get back to God. You need to get your life right with Jesus. We wouldn't have the struggles that we have in this church. We wouldn't have the struggles we have in this community. We wouldn't have the struggles we have in the church of America if Christians would get off their stinking high horse and lose their arrogant spirit and get back to Jesus. And that's the truth. Be the bigger person. Stop having to win every argument that you get into. All you're doing is driving people away. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. You know, I go back to, we talked about homeschooling. And quite honestly, it would be, I mean, it'd be a lot of work. My gosh. But you know what all that would do? All that would do is take five points of light out of the East Long Meadow School system. And yes, I just talked about children of color being points of light in East Long Meadow. That's right. That's right. So you know what I'd rather do? I'd rather live Jesus and teach my children how to live Jesus. And let them live Jesus while they learn to read, write, add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And even while they're being fed some other stuff that I don't necessarily agree with because I can be the adult and I can be the bigger person and I can say, hey guys, that's what you learned there. But let's come, let's come aside and let's see what the Bible has to say. Because the bottom line, folks, is this. Christian parent, understand this. The bottom line is you can't make the choice for your children. Your children are going to choose their own path. What you can do is give them a guiding light. You can give them principle. I see a lot of, a lot of parents who have adult children shaking their head. You're absolutely right. You can give them a, a, a lamp, and you could give them the word of God, which would be a lamp to their feet and a light unto their path, but you cannot make that choice for them. You just can't do it. Be the bigger person. I think the first thing we need to do is know what's at stake. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road broad that leads to the destruction. There are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. It's not easy. It's not easy to live for Jesus. And it, listen, it's not easy to live for Jesus and it's not easy to lead people to Jesus. Jesus himself said that. He said it's a narrow way and it's very difficult to lead people that way. Why? Because it's much easier to decide for yourself. It's much easier to make up your own story. That's why truth is under attack now. That's why everybody has their own truth. Because if you can make up your own truth, it doesn't matter what truth really is. Don't quarrel, contend, or fight with others. Proverbs 19.11, you say, well, <laughs> do you have a Bible for that? Absolutely, Proverbs 19.11. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Oh, oh. Everybody's offended by everything today, including Christians, right? Holy cow, man. You're offended. Listen, hey, Red Sox fans, up here, eyes up here. See this? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. Hang on, Drew. 
No, it gets better. Boom. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mookie Betts. Thank you for Mookie. He went three for three last night as we schooled the Padres in the art of baseball again to give a 14 and a half game lead in the National League West. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, did I offend you? Did I offend you? You see, man, we offend everybody with everything we do, right? I think I just lost half the congregation there. The only ones that are still with me are the Yankees fans. And maybe, maybe Melvin because I haven't picked on the Cowboys yet. Oh, oh I know. I know they get the trophy for being the wealthiest franchise. <laughs> Listen. You know what our responsibility as Christians is to be the bigger person? Is to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. That means when they attack your moral way of living, you just say, all right, I get it. When your ex attacks you, now, listen, you protect your integrity, you protect your children, but you don't attack back. You show the love of Jesus. That's the way you'll win the battle. And I know, man, oh, man, I know that's tough. I know that's tough. Find common ground. Find common ground. And then don't retaliate. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Christian, you have to let God's way of handling the matter be enough. You have to. Lastly, live, love, and speak life. Live, love, and speak life. I'll offend somebody a little bit more. I've got... I've got my, my next tattoo, getting, getting at least one more. My next tattoo is um, going to have this, this verse, this scripture verse. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know what that means? The way you represent Jesus either speaks life or death to others. The way you live Jesus either speaks life or death to others. Speak life and live love. Speak love and live life. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you that on that day of judgment, people will have to give account for every careless word they speak. You are accountable for the words you choose, the conversations you have, and the way you speak to others. You are accountable for it. Live love and speak life. Ecclesiastes 4, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.29. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Proverbs 13.3, the one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. Proverbs 15.1 and 4, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Psalm 141 verse 3, Lord, Lord, please, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Lord, help me to live love and speak life. To that person that I want to just bless with my vocabulary. Lord, help me to live love and speak life.
with that person who just, who, who cut me off in traffic, helped me to live love and speak life, pointing to myself. To those people who constantly deride you, to those family members who constantly pick on you and the way you believe, Lord, keep a guard at the door of my mouth and help me to live love and speak life. See, folks, these, these are the words that Jesus spoke to us. The words that he taught us. The life skills for common people that he wants us to learn. You don't have to be a theological giant. You don't have to be a missionary to a foreign field. You simply need to be a common Christian who lives in an uncommon way. Simply be a common Christian who lives the words of Jesus to a world that needs him more than it needs your opinion. Live love, speak life. Live those life skills that he's given to us. I challenge you with that. See what happens. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, thank you for boldness. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your wisdom and your word. Father, I thank you for all that you've done for us. I thank you for the day you've given to us. Lord, we can never thank you enough. Father, it is so difficult to walk this way nowadays. It's much easier to leave the path and to join the the wide way. It truly is. Lord, that's not what you've called us to do. That's not what you've taught us to do. In fact, you've taught us to do quite the opposite. It takes courage. It takes determination. And it takes accountability to live this way, to walk this way. Lord, would you give us that courage? Would you give us that wisdom? And may we be accountable to you. Father, bless everyone that is here today, everyone that's watching us online. Lord, may all that we do reflect you. And I love that last thought, Lord, living love and speaking life. May that be our mantra as we go. May that be the banner that we hold. Rather than holding banners that say you hate others, Lord, may we hold a banner that says we live love and speak life. Bless us as we go our separate ways. May we walk through every open door. May we live your truth to a world that needs it. In your name we pray.